we approach a king, and the king invites us to come and draw near. It's hard for us sometimes in a culture where we elect the president and we don't have all the protocols of, of royalty in our nation the way others do. But I've heard this story that I'm about to share many times in Africa. I've been to Africa uh, more times than I can count. And um, I've heard this from, from many places. When tribes had kings in Africa, and there are very few that do anymore, but when they did, people would stand for hours to hear the words of a king. The one on the screen was one that had been uh, one of the more recent kings of uh, tribal groups in, in Africa. But they'd wait for hours and stand in, in the African sun to, to, to hear the words of a king. Dignitaries would come from, from other nations and sit for hours waiting to get an audience. And one day there was a, a line of dignitaries that had waited uh, a lot longer than they thought they would need to, but were showing respect and giving honor where honors due. And there was a boy that, that ran past them and went into uh, the king's chambers, and uh, they, they saw him go, and he was there for a while, and then he comes back and, and gets a bunch of other children, and then they all run in, and they, they're saying, well, what, what is going on here? Well, who, who is this? We've been waiting all this time, and now he's letting children come. Well, you see, the first one there was the son of the king, and the others are his friends. And this morning as we gather and worship, the reason we're invited to draw near is because we're friends of the son of the king. That's what we have access. That's the invitation of God. And in many ways, the whole reason Jesus came and the whole message of, of the life of Christ is because he's the son of the king, and he came so that you and I might become friends of his so that we have open access with him to the king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. We come again this morning to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, where it says, without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, to the king, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The word that stands out to me here is whoever. Whoever would draw near. Whoever. And you and I are in that whoever. Whoever. Whoever is with the son has access to the king. Whoever would draw near. God wants you to know this morning that you're included in that whoever that Jesus came to give you access to the king and that we can draw near. And here it says that it's faith that's required for us to be able to access, to be able to approach the king, to be able to draw near into his presence, into the king's chambers, to come before him, to come before his throne present ourselves. But that access is given to us by faith. And faith is here only defined in two ways. To, to believe that God exists 
the faith that believes and acknowledges that there is a king to access and that he, the king, is able and willing and ready to reward all who draw near, all who seek him. That God wants a relationship with you and he not only tolerates your coming, he doesn't just indulge your desire to meet with him, he enjoys it and it gives pleasure to him for you to access him. And he's not only ready to enjoy your meeting, but to reward you, to give you as a result of coming, not just a, a token of his appreciation, but to give you his presence and gifts that he has to give you while you're in his presence to take with you. This is the king that, that God uh, is, is represented by here in giving you whoever access to approach him. Now, if this sounds vague, the idea, if it sounds abstract, approaching an invisible God who sits on a real but an invisible throne, if that sounds vague, the reason we have Hebrews chapter 11 is because it gives 21 specific examples of what it means to draw near. And that's what we find here in this chapter. I'm not going to refer to all 21, but I'm going to pick a handful. The first one is verse 4, Abel drew near to God. And when he did, he gave an offering that was acceptable to God. And, and Abel was given favor by the blood sacrifice that he, he, he gave in approaching as he drew near to God. That offering, a blood sacrifice, was acceptable. Now, many people think that this was a, a foreshadowing of the ultimate blood sacrifice of Christ. And that the reason his offering was acceptable to God and his brother who gave, uh, uh, he offered some kind of grain offering, uh, some fruit and vegetable offering and not a blood sacrifice. The reason his blood sacrifice was acceptable was because it pointed to Jesus. But regardless, he had access and it pleased God and he left having pleased God. The next we come to is, is this guy Enoch, verse 5. Now, in case it's not clear in reading verse 5, Enoch, talk about drawing near to God. I mean, he drew near to God like maybe nobody else because it says he walked with God and was no more. What this means is he never faced a physical death. He didn't die to get to, to be with God in heaven. He was, he was taken without any physical death. Now, I'm not afraid to be dead because I know I'm going to be more alive than I've ever been, but I don't look forward to dying, the, the moment of death. I, if I could avoid that. Well, this guy avoided that. I mean, it's really quite remarkable. He never physically died. And somebody pictured it this way. It's like, it says he walked with God. So imagine the guy, Enoch, walking with God. And God says, hey, Enoch, we've been walking together for a long time. And today we're closer to my home than yours. So how about if I just take you with me? So, so, so he, he took him up to heaven and, and 
He's one of the guys you can ask him, man, what was that like? Because there, there, aren't, there aren't too many people that have that happen. Now, everybody who's alive when Christ returns is going to have that same experience. Yeah. They're not going to die. They're going to be taken in forever. So if you don't want to die, live long enough till Jesus comes back and, and you won't have to face that either. But that's what happened here to Enoch. So, so he, he clearly drew near to God. I mean, he's, he's like exhibit A of drawing near to God. Then we come, verse 6, you come to Noah. Well, Noah drew near to God, and he not only drew near to God, but he benefited his family because they were the only people on all the population of the earth. Everybody else died in the flood except for Noah's family. So he drew near, and, and, he, and he took his family to draw near with him. Verse 8, we come to Abraham. Well, it, it cost him to draw near to God. He had to leave his homeland where he was born, leave his, his parents, leave his inheritance, uh, leave, leave uh, aunts and uncles, cousins, and all the rest, and move to a, an unknown, uncharted territory. It cost him to draw near to God, but he drew near to God. And then you've got Moses. Well, Moses' mother drew near to God, there was an edict by Pharaoh because they were living in Egypt at the time. Pharaoh wanted to kill all the children. Well, this, this mother of Moses, the kid's born, she floats him like in a homemade boat uh, toward uh, Pharaoh's palace and uh, he was found and raised in Pharaoh's household. So she, she drew near to God and then God rewarded her. Of all things, because the daughter of Pharaoh that was raising uh, Moses couldn't nurse Moses, so she, they looked for a Hebrew mother who could nurse Moses, and of all things, they pair him up, Moses and his mother. She gets him back. It's an amazing story. So she drew near to God. And then Moses. Now Moses, you know, Moses lived as a, as a son of of. Pharaoh, now there's a lot of issues involved that he faced that it's hard to even imagine the, the scrutiny he would have faced, but he did have a wealthy dad. Um, Moses never heard his dad, Pharaoh, say, uh, we can't afford that. I had to tell that to my kids quite often. I mean, just about anything they want, oh, we can't afford that, we can't afford so, so, you know, a lot of us are used to saying we, but, but this guy, Moses never heard his dad say we can't afford that because they could afford anything. Oh, if you wanted to, you want a new chariot? Okay, we'll get you that. You want a stainless steel chariot? We'll get you that. You want with a spoiler on the back? We'll get you that. I mean, you could, you could get whatever he wanted. This is Moses. But, but to draw near to God, he had to leave that to draw near to God. And God, for him to follow his God calling on his life, he had to leave that and choose to follow God. And he, and he did, and he drew near. So all these people draw near to God. This is what faith does. Faith draws near to God. That's the point. One example after another. If you don't know what it looks like to, to draw near to God, these are all different stories in different situations, different men, women, um, wealthy, poor, all the, the whole gamut. But they all drew near to God. And they all met God, and they were all rewarded. Now, now, in the middle of all this faith, 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 drawing near, drawing near, drawing near, in the middle of all this, we come to 
two startling verses that give us pause in clarifying what true faith is. And the first of these verses is verse 13. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Well, <clears throat> so just, just hang on to that. So these, all these people we just talked about, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Abraham's wife, it says they did not receive the things promised. So just hang on to that. They did not receive the things promised. Then we have a bunch of other, almost 20 more examples of faith. The example, we come back to Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob, then Moses, then Joshua and Rahab and we've got all these other examples, Samuel, David, Samson, Jephthah, Gideon, Barak, all these examples, a whole bunch of specific examples of shutting mouths of lions by faith and, and walking through uh, the Red Sea uh, and not even getting wet by faith. All these miracles by faith, 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 and all that they, they, they experienced of God because of faith. But then you come to verse 39, and it's almost, it's not quite exactly the same, but it's the same principle and almost the same words. It says here in verse 39, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. And you wonder, well, no, 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 what's going on here? I thought all these people received, but here it says they didn't receive, but they did receive. So, so did they or didn't they? It says they didn't, but we know that they did. So what, what, what gives here? Can, can you help us here? Yeah, yes, yes, we can. We can get some help. So let me tell you, they all did receive. And, and they all did not yet receive. Yes, both are true. Let me show you. Abel received favor with God. His offering was acceptable. He received that. Enoch, oh, talk about receiving. He, was, he went from walking on earth to walking in heaven. Bam, he received. Noah received salvation from the flood. And he not only received, everybody in his family received. So clearly, Abraham received the blessing. Abraham received his son by faith. Sarah received the son. It says specifically in Hebrews 11 that Sarah was able to conceive by faith. She believed God and she got the miracle of a baby by faith. So she received. Moses received, talk about receiving, he led all of Israel out of Egypt miraculously across the, the Red Sea on dry ground, he received deliverance. He received that miracle. So did he receive? He received. Well, then what does it mean when it clearly says twice they did not receive? Okay, this is cool. Let me tell you what they didn't receive. They did not receive a lot that we have now received. They did not receive the full revelation of the incarnation that 
God, the Son of God, is going to become flesh and dwell among people? They, they didn't see that as clearly as we do. They did not see as clearly the crucifixion, that the Son of God would be slain. They did not see that crystal clear like we do. They did not see the reality of the bodily resurrection of Christ. They did not see the ascension of Christ as clearly as we do. And they did not receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which we have received. They didn't receive any of that. So did they receive? Yes. Did they also not yet receive? Yes. Because faith is the grace of God to receive and greater faith that is willing to wait to yet receive. Faith is both and, it is not either or. And every one of these experienced and yet not yet. Now, let me apply this to us so we don't miss it. Today, God wants you to know that there is faith for you to receive today. And he wants you to receive today. Now let me give you some examples. If you have not yet received salvation and the assurance of salvation so that you know for sure when you die you're going to go to heaven, God wants to give you that assurance today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow, and certainly don't wait till you die to find out, do I have salvation or not? God wants you to have that today. Amen. If you have any demonic bondage in your life, God wants to break it off of you today. Amen. If you have guilt over past sin, God wants to remove that guilt from you today. And if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, God wants to fill you today. You don't have to wait till the third Tuesday of August until you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. God wants you to be filled today. There are things for you to, be re to receive today. But at the same time, God gives you promises that you can cash in today. God also wants you to know that your faith that's stronger affirms the reality that as much as you are given to receive today, there are yet better things for you that you have to wait for. I'll give you a few examples. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to him reigning on earth. I'm looking forward to no more Ukraines. I'm sick and tired of hearing Putin's latest enterprises and, and killing civilians and all the rest of it, and mutilating theaters and buildings and <clears throat> all the humanitarian crisis that's going on in Ukraine. I'm sick and tired of it, but there is coming a day when Christ is going to settle that score. Hallelujah. I'm tired that racism is still active in our, in our nation, yes. and I, I look forward to that being eradicated, and I, while well, I pray for it and I, I work for it today, I'm also looking forward to the fact that one day justice and righteousness will rain down and settle all those scores. I'm also looking forward to heaven. Now, I, I, I like living on earth. I like a good ribeye. I like manicotti. I like a good golf shot. I like watching, um, if I may say, the Tar Heels win. 
I, I like some of these things. I, li I like my, my flat screen. I like my couch. I like a car that I can sit down and start, and it starts up and takes me places. I like friends. I, I like my wife. I like spending time with her. I, I like things on earth. I like earth. But as good as earth is, i got to tell you, heaven's better. Yeah. Heaven's better. Yeah. I'm looking forward to heaven. Yeah. I really am. And then, as good as heaven's going to be, I'm going to tell you one better. There's a new heaven and a new earth that's coming. It's going to be better than the current earth and the current heaven. There's a new heaven and a new earth. I'm really looking forward to that. I have this theory that I'm going to have two homes. I'm going to have a home that's kind of more my home, and then I'm going to have a home in Jerusalem. I, I believe that. Because there's a city, and it's described that we're all going to have a place in the city of God in Jerusalem. And I believe that's literal. And, I, I, and the, the, the dimensions are enormous. It's going to, be, it's going to make uh, Dubai look like uh, a sandcastle. It's going to be an enormous structure. Engineers are going to marvel about this place. And it's like square, and it's going to be gorgeous. I, I, anyway, I'm going to have a place there, and you're going to have a place there too. And, he's, and so I know that I'm going to have that. And I also believe in, in John 14 where he goes to prepare a place for you. I believe I'm going to have a private place. Not private totally, but a little bit not in the city, but kind of more in the country. I, I, I think I'm going to have that. And I'm going to have a golf course in my backyard. I'm going to tell you, I, I believe that. Hallelujah. I do. Not because earth is good, but as good as earth is, heaven's going to be better. I believe that. And better than heaven is going to be the new heaven and the new earth. Hallelujah. So, do I receive today? Yes. There's tons of stuff I receive. And I'm grateful for all that I receive. But, but as great as it is, heaven's better. What God yet has in store for us. As much as we ought to be cashing in on the promises of God, now we also ought to be holding on firmly to what is yet to come and the promises that no matter how much we pray and how much we long for them, they're not going to be manifested for you until later when the time is appointed. Amen. That's the message of Hebrews. Did they receive? Yes. Were there things that they had faith for that they did not receive? Yes. They saw them from afar. That's what it says. Well, how did they do it? How did they do it? Let's look. Hebrews 11, verse 13. Let's pick it up there. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised. Now, I love this because it clearly says <clears throat> it was not their unbelief that kept them from receiving. There's teachers that you can listen to the radio on the way home that'll tell you that. If you don't believe hard enough, you're not going to get it. Well, that's not what this is saying. This is saying they, they died in faith, but they didn't receive. So there was nothing wrong with their faith. Their faith was perfect. It was complete. But they didn't receive. But look at what they did. But having seen them and greeted them from afar... <laughs> I love that. They saw him. Somehow they saw the incarnation. They saw the crucifixion. Somehow. 
They saw the resurrection, the ascension. They saw the coming of the Spirit, but they didn't enter in yet. And then it says, <clears throat> they saw them from afar, and, and having acknowledged that they were strangers in exiles on earth. I'll tell you, <clears throat> the stranger our world is becoming, the, stranger, the, the more of a stranger I feel like. With the decision Disney made this past week and all these other things that seem like it's an unraveling, like what in the world? What, what is going on? Well, as good as Disney is, heaven's better. As good as earth is, heaven's better. And no matter how good you have it and how much you like your home and your car and your couch and your flat screen, heaven's better. And part of what God is doing is allowing us in this day to experience the world getting strange so we realize we are strangers. Is anybody feeling more like a stranger in our society today than even a couple years ago? I mean, can we just say this? Well, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Now, God, don't start cursing the earth. Don't curse the administration. Don't curse Disney. God doesn't want us to be cursers. But allow all that to teach us that we're strangers. And that's a good thing for us to realize we are strangers. Now the next word here, it's so cool. Down in verse 16 it says, but as it is, they desired a better country that is a heavenly one. So <clears throat> if I were to ask you, do you like the United States? I hope you'd raise your hand. I love the United States, but there is a better country than the United States. The country you're from, Argentina, uh, Jordan, as I look around the room, uh, we've got uh, Sudanese, we've got uh, Nigerians, we've got others, Liberians. Uh, God bless the, the country you're from, Ethiopians, Eritreans. God bless the country you're from, but, but there's a better one. It's yeah. a heavenly country. Yeah. The reason we've got that word on the front of our wall is because it points to a better country. That's what the word is here. You can circle it, verse 16, a better country. The word better is used 13 times in the book of Hebrews, one for every chapter, and one more time. Turn with me to the last verse, verse 39. Again, they did not receive what they were promised. Verse 40, since God had provided something better. There's the second time in Hebrews 11 the word better is used. You can circle it in verse 30. God promised them and provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. So those are all the things that we've just mentioned. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the ascension of Christ, the resurrection, the, the, the crucifixion, and the incarnation, all that is now complete in us. And we help perfect them because we're experiencing what they only look forward to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something better. We have the better. We have the better. Praise God. So, here's where I want to land this this morning. This is very essential for, for many of us in the room right now. So, there's really the definition of faith. Faith, as we've already defined it, faith is the 
grace to receive from God. And stronger faith, greater faith, is the grace to be willing to wait to receive from God. There's two sides to this. Now just leave that definition there. And here's, here's where, I wanna, where, I, where I wanna go with this. Some of you have never experienced the first half of faith. You've never received now. God wants you to receive. He wants you to receive salvation. He wants you to receive the assurance of your salvation. God wants you to receive a clear conscience, a new beginning. God wants to make you a new person from the inside out. He wants to give you rebirth. And if you've never received rebirth, today can be your day. Amen. He wants you to receive. And if you've been a believer but have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, God wants you to receive that today. Yes. But some of us have been all about faith now, receiving now. And some of us have never accepted the reality that God so clearly teaches us here in Hebrews 11 that faith is for now, but there are also promises that will not yet be fulfilled today or tomorrow, things that are even greater that God wants you to take hold of today and wait. There's a waiting side of faith that requires stronger faith that is equally valuable to you to protect you. Let me give you an example. Many of us have prayed for God to save a marriage that ended up getting divorced. Many of us have had spotting during pregnancy and we prayed for God to spare the child and the baby was miscarried even though we prayed. Many of us have prayed for a loved one that, that was diagnosed with a terminal disease and we prayed and prayed and they died anyway. Do you know what I'm talking about? Let me just tell you. Every prayer prayed for healing will be answered. Because if they died in Christ, their body will be resurrected and fully restored. Their body will be fully restored and fully healed. Did you receive it now? No. But you will, and don't lose sight of that. Now one of the hard ones is miscarriage. And in our family we faced several. And they're all hard, they're all brutal. Painful, gut-wrenching. Turn the inside out. But the reality is, children that are lost before birth, you will raise them one day in heaven. It's true. They are not lost forever. It's just you're delaying your parental privilege. Isn't that awesome? You'll be bouncing children on your knee for all eternity. It's true. That's the promise. That's the promise. No, I've known people that pray for healings and God doesn't come through and they abandon their faith altogether. They lose it. 
No, I'm telling you, Jesus is in the house today and he wants to restore your faith. He's calling you, trust me. He's calling you, I love you. Trust me. I'm bigger than you are. I'm smarter than you are. You can trust me. God is speaking to you today about your faith. Don't allow a disappointment of faith to lead you to camp out with unbelief. If you're not receiving today, it's a problem of unbelief. If you're not clinging to faith that will not be received or realized today, but will in some future day, you're in unbelief. I call you to repent. Nothing Jesus called for repentance more frequently than unbelief. You sinful, unbelieving generation. Now the whole message of Hebrews is to lead people who believe in Jesus, but out of pockets of unbelief. The, the completeness of faith is to live in a continual state of drawing near to God. Receiving now and being willing to hold on to promises that you won't cash in on for who knows how long. For the same God you draw near for now, for later, you draw near. That's the heart of faith. We could define faith as we have. Faith is the grace to receive from God and it's the grace to be willing to wait to receive from God. But another whole way of defining faith is faith is the grace to draw near to God because God is enough. And not only to draw near to God, but the grace to know that every time you draw near to God, you are pleasing God. You're pleasing him. That's the heart of, of Hebrews 11:6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you have faith, you draw near to God, you're gonna be rewarded. You're pleasing him. He loves your time with him. And he wants you to know that. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope <clears throat> these two studies from Hebrews 11 will prompt ongoing conversations over the lunch table today that you can apply this to your life. I don't know of anything more relevant to us as followers of Christ than to have good clarity and confidence that we know what faith is and how to use it. How many of you have received something of encouragement for your faith here in the last, today or last week? God bless you. Let's stand together. I see the Lord moving among us, and next week Stephen's going to be bringing a message from Hebrews 12, verse 2, that Jesus is, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. See, even Jesus, even Jesus prayed a prayer, Could you, would you let this cup pass from me? Even Jesus faced that tension, that struggle of, of frankly, some unanswered prayer. That's at least one unanswered prayer that Jesus had. 
So Jesus struggled similarly to each of us struggling. But Jesus is the author and the perfecter. He's the one that put faith in you to begin with, but he's the one that to nurture and encourage your faith. Father God, open up heaven and activate faith in our lives. Faith to draw near, faith to receive, faith to cling to promises that will not be received for some season. Lord, pour out your faith gift into our spirits. I receive it, Lord, and I loose it over us as a family that you would continue to cultivate and grow our faith in Jesus' name.